Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The Word of Life. Over these last several weeks since Easter, we have been considering how people respond in different ways to the gospel and to the Easter message. Up until today, we've been reading these stories from the gospels, telling us about these appearances of the risen Christ to those early disciples and how they responded, and how the gospels record that not all people respond in the same way. But today we jump back to an earlier part of John's Gospel, chapter 3, very early in the teaching ministry of Christ. Nicodemus comes by night. A Pharisee, a learned man, a leader, a man of faith comes to talk to Jesus. And Jesus says, you must be born from above or born again. Verse 7, do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. Now, Nicodemus is never described as being astonished. The text doesn't say that, only that Jesus cautioned him against being astonished, saying, do not be astonished. So apparently, Nicodemus was astonished by what Jesus was saying about being born from above, or being born again, or born anew. Jesus is saying something to him that apparently is difficult for him to comprehend or understand in terms of what Jesus is all about. Nicodemus is trying to figure out what is this rabbi all about? What are these teachings that he is sharing about the spiritual life? It reminded me of times... Over the course of many years, where I've run into one person or another who find out that I'm a pastor, and there's someone who doesn't typically go to church, and they want to tell me about that. They want to explain to me why they don't come, why they don't attend church, why they don't value what I do. And, of course, the stories are very similar. They say, oh, well, I used to go, or I knew a pastor once upon a time, and this is what happened. And somehow they hurt me, or they didn't treat me right, or felt like they were always asking for money and just trying to get in my pocket. They have a whole list of things they don't like about pastors and churches, and they want me to know that 
That's why they don't come. And they want me to agree with them that they don't need to come. Right? They want some justification of why they don't need Jesus or God or church. Why it's okay that they don't attend. They often even say, you know, I can be a good person. I'm a good person even though I don't participate with you or anyone. Now, I can agree with them that people get hurt at church. We're not perfect people. We make mistakes. We hurt others, hopefully unintentionally, but it happens in church. The people get their feelings hurt. The people get crossways with one another and find themselves in a conflict and sometimes leave because of that. But at our best, we are here because we know we're not perfect people. We know we make mistakes. We know we need the help of God to be all that God intends for us to be. People who come to church are striving to be better people. We desire God's help in becoming better people, more spiritual people, more loving people, more generous people. So I'm sorry that they were hurt once upon a time in some place by some church person. And I can agree with them that I understand that that's a real experience. But I can't take that next step with them to say, therefore, I don't really need to think about God. I never need to go again. I don't need to know what Christ has said to us about what life and life abundant are all about. Not very long ago, I ran into a fellow and he wanted to have one of these conversations. And after he explained to me what had happened that had hurt him and why he didn't attend, he said, but you know, I served in the military, I served my country, I'm employed, I'm a good employee, I provide for my wife and my family, I'm a good person. And I shook my head, I understand, I don't have anything against all of those things. But those are different criteria than what the gospel calls us to in terms of when Jesus talks about being good or what a full Christian life looks like or what abundant life looks like or what Christian discipleship looks like. The gospel criteria have to do with loving God and loving neighbor. Loving God and the things that God loves and loving our neighbors as best we can. So it's great to take care of your family and be a loving husband. But the Gospels call for more than that. That's why we hear Jesus saying things like, if someone asks for your shirt, give your coat also. Or why Jesus points out when people are going by the box at giving money to the religious authorities that he points out to his disciples a poor widow and said, did you see that? She just dropped two pennies in the box. But I tell you, she gave more than all these others because she gave all that she had to God. Or when Jesus says, you have heard it said... Love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. But I say, 
love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. We need God's help. If we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ, if we're going to embody that kind of agape love that wills the good for one and all, who treats each and every person we encounter as a child of God, we're going to need God's help for that. The challenge is to give our whole selves to God. You remember Jesus prayed, not my will, but thy will be done. It's a surrender to who God is and who God wants us to be. It's a change in the way we live our lives. Nicodemus comes after living a faithful and religious life to talk to Jesus one night because he senses that there's something more that Jesus is talking about in terms of intimacy with God and what our life looks like. And Nicodemus says, we know who you are. We know you have done these things. You must be living in the presence of God. And Jesus says, it's not about me. In the very next verse, Jesus responds that it is not about me, but about seeing the kingdom of God. Seeing what God wants and what God is doing and where God is at work in one's life. Do you know the name Eugene Peterson? He's the fellow that spent a decade doing his own translation of the Bible. He is a pastor and a professor It's really a paraphrase, but it's very refreshing and at times really helps people to understand what the Scriptures are talking about. He's also written a book about his life as a pastor and as he observes other pastors across America today. One of the things he writes about in that book, he begins to wonder why so many people feel called into ministry and then do all the study and become ordained and begin to serve in churches and then within just a few years drop out he's trying to figure out why that happens he writes a few lines about that that i think can help us this morning this is what he wrote I wonder if at the root of the defection is a cultural assumption that all leaders are people who get things done and make things happen. That is certainly true of the primary leadership models that seep into our awareness from across our culture. Politicians, businessmen, advertisers, publicists, celebrities, and athletes. But while being a pastor certainly has some of these components, the pervasive element in our 2,000-year pastoral tradition is not someone who gets things done, but rather the person placed in the community to pay attention and call attention to what is going on right now between men and women, with one another and with God. This kingdom of God that is primarily local, relentlessly personal, and prayerful without ceasing. Now hear how Peterson translates the passage today from John as he has Jesus responding to Nicodemus. Peterson's translation goes like this. You're not listening. Let me say it again. 
Unless a person submits to the original creation, the wind hovering over the water creation, the invisible moving the visible, a baptism into a new life. It's not possible to enter into the kingdom of God. When you look at a baby, it's just that. A body that you can look at and touch. But the person who takes shape within is formed by something you cannot see and touch. The Spirit. It becomes a living Spirit. The key to this rebirth, this being born from above, is paying attention to the Spirit of God in your life. Paying attention to the Spirit of God in the world. It's a shift from my will to thy will be done. It's a focus on God and what God is doing in your life and in the world. Jesus says you have to be born of water and the Spirit. Or you could say you have to experience physical birth and a spiritual birth. It's a matter of priorities. Do you focus only on your physical and material well-being? Is that your priority? Or is there something more to your life that has to do with the Spirit of God and God's call upon your life to love your neighbor as yourself. To respond to God's love with devotion and gratitude. To embody God's love in all that you say and do. You hear it throughout the Scriptures, not only in this passage today, but you can think of others from the Gospels when Jesus says things like, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will follow. Or you heard it in that reading from Paul that we had earlier from 2 Corinthians. Let me read a portion of that to you again. He writes this, From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know Him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Beginning to focus on God, attending to God's Spirit in your lives, refreshes and renews your life. It's like a new birth in terms of what you're focused on and who you are and what you desire to be as you receive or seek or discern God's will for your life. So Jesus says to Nicodemus, Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. Amen.